Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last campaign. Without the happiness of knowing that the daughter whom he had mourned for was still alive. After coming back from the far waters of the Indian Ocean to embrace her father, hoping never to part from him again, to present her savior to him, and to beg for his consent to their union and his blessing on it, Jenny would never see him more. Her distress was great. In vain her aunt lavished on her words of consolation. In vain Fritz sorrowed with her. The blow was too cruel. She had never even thought of the possibility that her father might be dead. A few days later, in a conversation broken by tears and regrets, Jenny said to him, Fritz, dear Fritz, we have just experienced the bitterest of misfortunes, you and I. If you have not changed your mind at all... Oh, Jenny, my darling, Fritz exclaimed. Yes, I know, said Jenny, and my father would have been happy to call you his son. I am sure he would have wanted to go with us and share our life in the new English colony. But I must give up that happiness. I am alone in the world now, and have only myself to depend upon. Alone? No, no, you are there, Fritz. Jenny, said the young man, the whole of my life shall be devoted to your happiness. And mine to yours, Fritz, dear. But since my father is no longer here to give us his consent, since I have no near relations living, and since yours is the only family I can call my own. You have belonged to it three years already, Jenny, dear, ever since the day when I found you on Burning Rock. I love them all, and they love me, Fritz. Well, in a few months more, we shall be with them all again. We shall be back. Married, Jenny? Yes, Fritz, if you wish it, since you have your father's consent, and my aunt will not refuse me hers. Jenny, dear Jenny, Fritz exclaimed falling on his knees beside her. Our plans will not be changed at all, and I shall take back my wife to my father and mother. Jenny Montrose remained henceforth in her aunt's house, where Fritz and Frank came every day to see her. Meanwhile, all the necessary arrangements were made for the celebration of the marriage within the briefest time that the law permitted. But there was other business of some importance to be attended to, business which had been the purpose of the two brothers in coming to Europe. There was the sale of the various articles of value collected on the island, the coral gathered on Whale Island, the pearls taken from the bay, the nutmegs and the vanilla. Monsieur Zermatt had not been mistaken about their market value. They produced a considerable sum of 8,000 pounds sterling. When one remembered that the banks of Pearl Bay had been no more than skimmed, that coral was to be found on many parts of the coast, 
that nutmegs and vanilla could be produced in large quantities, and that there were many other treasures in New Switzerland, one had to acknowledge that the colony was destined for a height of prosperity, which set it in the foremost of the oversea dominions of Great Britain. In accordance with Monsieur Zermatt's instructions, part of the sum realized from the sale of these articles was to be spent upon things required to complete the stock at Rock Castle and the farms in the Promised Land. The rest, about three-quarters of the whole sum, and the ten thousand pounds coming from Colonel Montrose's estate, were deposited in the Bank of England, upon which Monsieur Zermatt would be able to draw in the future as he might require, thanks to the communication which would soon be established with the capital. Restitution was made of the various jewels and monies belonging to the families of those who had been lost with the landlord, who had been traced after inquiry. Finally, a month after the arrival of Fritz Zermatt and Jenny Montrose in London, their marriage was celebrated there by the chaplain of the corvette. The unicorn had brought them as an engaged couple, and would take them back to New Switzerland a married couple. All these events excited a considerable interest throughout Great Britain in the family which had been abandoned for a dozen years on an unknown island in the Indian Ocean, and in Jenny's adventures and her stay on Burning Rock. The story, which had been written by Jean Zermatt, appeared in the English and foreign newspapers, and under the title of The Swiss Family Robinson, it was destined to a fame equal to that one already by the immortal work of Daniel Defoe. The consequence of all this was that the Admiralty decided to take possession of New Switzerland. Moreover, this new possession had some very considerable advantages to offer. The island occupied an important position in the east of the Indian Ocean, near the entrance to the Sunda Seas, on the road to the Far East. Seven hundred and fifty miles at most separated it from the western coast of Australia. The sixth part of the world, discovered by the Dutch in 1605, visited by Abel Tasman in 1644, and by Captain Cook in 1774, was destined to become one of England's principal dominions. Thus the Admiralty could but congratulate itself on its acquisition of an island so near that continent. And thus the despatch of the unicorn to its waters was decided upon. The corvette would set out again in a few months under the command of Lieutenant Littlestone, promoted captain on this occasion. Fritz and Jenny Zermatt were to sail in her with Frank, and also a few colonists, pending the time when other emigrants, in larger numbers, would sail in other ships to the same destination. It was arranged that the corvette should put in at the Cape to pick up James and Susan and Dolly Walston. The lengthy stay of the unicorn at Portsmouth was due to the fact that repairs of some magnitude had become absolutely necessary after her voyage from Sydney to Europe. Fritz and Frank did not spend the whole of this time in London or in England. They and Jenny regarded it as a duty to visit Switzerland, so as to be able to take to Monsieur and Madame Zermatt some news of their native land. So they went first to France and spent a week in Paris. The empire had just ended at this date, as also had the long wars with Great Britain. Fritz and Frank arrived in Switzerland, the country which they had almost forgotten, so young had they been when they left it, and from Geneva they went to the canton at Appenzell. Of their family none remained except a few distant relatives of whom Monsieur and Madame Zermatt knew little, but the arrival of the two young men caused a great sensation in the Swiss Republic. Everybody knew the story of the survivors of the wreck of the landlord, and knew the island now on which they had found refuge. Thus, 
although their fellow countrymen were little inclined to run the risks involved in emigration several declared their intention of joining those colonists to whom new zealand promised a cordial welcome it was not without a pang that fritz and frank left the land of their origin even if they might hope to visit it again in the future that was a hope which monsieur and madame zermatt advancing now in years would hardly realize crossing france fritz and jenny and frank returned to england preparations for the sailing of the unicorn were drawing to a close and the corvette would be ready to set sail in the last few days of june both fritz and frank were received with flattering attention by the lords of the admiralty england was grateful to jean surmatt for having of his own free will offered captain littlestone immediate possession of his island as has been explained when the corvette left new switzerland the greatest portion of the island was still unexplored save the district of the promised land the littoral on the north and part of the littoral on the east as far as unicorn bay captain littlestone was therefore to complete its survey both on the west and south and also in the interior in a few months more several ships would be fitted out to take emigrants and the materials required in colonization and to put the island in a proper state of defence then regular communication would be established between great britain and those distant waters of the indian ocean on the twenty seventh of june the unicorn was ready to weigh anchor and only waited for fritz and jenny and frank on the twenty eighth the three arrived at portsmouth whither the stores purchased on behalf of the zermatt family had been sent in advance they were warmly welcomed aboard the corvette by captain littlestone whom they had had one or two opportunities of meeting in london how happy they were in the thought of seeing james and susan walston again at cape town and also the charming little dolly whom frank had kept constantly supplied with news and good news too of everybody in the morning of the twenty ninth of june the unicorn left portsmouth with a fair wind flying at the peak the english flag which was to be planted upon the shores of new switzerland End of chapter two recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona